Book four of five books of the Psalms, Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord, our God, be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. All scripture is breathed out by you and profitable for teaching, for correction and training in righteousness, that we would be equipped for every good work. Lord, speak to us. Help us to be attentive to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, our psalm this morning starts off with the title, A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. This is the only psalm in the entire book of psalms that was written by Moses, and it makes it the oldest psalm in the Psalms. And we know that Moses wrote Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. But if Moses actually wrote this psalm before he wrote Genesis, this might be the first piece of scripture ever written. 
And he must have written it sometime during the 40 years that he led God's people through the wilderness. And with the brevity of life and the certainty of death in clearer focus than ever before, Moses' heart was heavy for his people who could potentially waste their days in the wilderness. And he prays this prayer to God. This is a sobering psalm. And it used to be read at funerals more often than it is now. Before funerals started to work so hard to make us not think about death. We don't go to funerals anymore. We go to celebrations of life. And while there is definitely a Christian way to do that, the unbelieving world around us is actually working hard to mask the reality of death. We don't want to think about death. We don't want to think about pain. We don't want to think about the shortness of life or the weight of sin. Let's tell funny stories. Let's mask the rawness that we're actually supposed to feel. And grieve. Because this was not the way it was supposed to be. This psalm is real and it brings things up that we often don't like to talk or think about. But we need to. But it's also a psalm that is filled with much hope. I'm sure you saw that when we read verses 12 through 17. Psalm 90 helps us prepare for eternity and to live wisely. And there are many ways that I could split this psalm up into sections, but this morning I want to give you this easy outline. Four sections. Verses 1 and 2 are all about God's eternality, that God is eternal. Verses 3 to 6 are about death and the shortness of life. Verses 7 to 11 are about sin and judgment. And verses 12 to 17 are about God's grace. If you think about it, that's the gospel in an outline. God, death, sin, grace. And the main point that I hope you see in Psalm 90 is this. Very simple. Life is short, so seek to live each day for God. Life is short, so seek to live each day for God. All right, let's look at verses 1 and 2. Notice how this psalm begins. It starts with God. This psalm is both a prayer and a song. And as a song, it starts strong by singing praise to the Lord who is the ruler of the world. Moses uses the word Adonai here when he, he uses that in English, the word Lord. He's the ruler of the world. He's the dwelling place of his people, and he is the eternal God. As a song, it starts off strong, and as a prayer, it starts off with adoration to God. Look at verses 1 and 2. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. 
before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses says, you, the sovereign Lord who rules over the entire world, you have been our dwelling place. Not you have provided something to be our dwelling place or to be our refuge, but you yourself have been our home, our refuge, our comfort, a safe place, a place of rest. For 40 years in the wilderness, God's people had no place to call home. They were rescued out of slavery from Egypt, but then lived as nomads in the desert. But God was their home, their dwelling place. And what was true of the Old Testament people of God is true of those who believe in God today. In fact, we just studied in the, the book of 1 Peter. Peter says that we are exiles, we are strangers in this world. This world is not our home. And although we are rejected by the world around us, we are welcomed, we are accepted by the God of the universe. God is our home. This is one of the greatest promises and hopes for all who believe in God. In this life, with all of its uncertainties, in those moments where you just don't feel at home, God is the home of his people. We can find refuge in God himself. This is a great reminder of the God who loves us and faithfully cares for his people. God is the home and refuge to all generations because he is eternal. Before the creation of the world, before the mountains existed, before there was anything, God existed. And then he brought all things into existence, including you and me. He is eternal, which means he is outside of time. There has never been a time where there wasn't God. Do you see what Moses says here? From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is the God who was. He is the God who is and who will always be. He has no beginning and he has no ending. In a world that is constantly changing. Where generations, they come and go. God is the one who is constant. So right from the beginning, this psalm focuses our minds and our hearts on the eternal God. The eternal God is our home. And then in verses three through six, Moses brings up something that we often don't like to talk about. Death. And the shortness of life. Human life is brief, and then it's gone. Take a look at verse 3. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. 
right? Moses has just said, God is the eternal one, the one who created, who has power over all of his creation, including the life and death of human beings. Moses is reminding us that we all will die. God is the one who spoke and he formed us from the dust of the ground and he is the one who will speak again at the end of our lives, returning us back to dust. It is an old age, a disease, a car accident that we often associate with the cause of someone's death that is ultimately the cause of their death. God is the one who determines when we die. There will come a time in your life when God will say, return, O children of man, and then you will die. When God says this, no one can keep you alive. You can have the best doctors in the world. You can have the best medical treatment. But when God says, return, your time on earth is up. Everyone dies. Everyone dies. And God is the one who determines when. But the opposite is true. Until God says this to you, nobody can kill you. Nothing can take your life. But God is the one who has sovereignly determined how many days we will live. He is eternal, and we are not. We will all die. And in comparison to God, we are nothing but dust. We are frail. And we have short lifespans. Look at verse 4. Moses says, For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. We are gone like that. Here Moses compares the way that God sees time in comparison to the way that we count time. He says a thousand years. It's like yesterday to God. The passing of a millennium is like a watch in the night. That's four hours. A thousand years to God feels like just a couple hours. Our lives are short. And in order to emphasize the the brevity of our lives, Moses uses three analogies in verses five and six. First, he says that our lives are like a flood. Our lives have a swift end. They are swept away. We are here one moment, and after a brief time, we are buried and we're covered in dirt. Second, he says, our lives are like a dream. Dreams come and go quickly. And third, he says that our lives are like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. Our lives are like grass. Because during the night, 
there's enough moisture to cause germination. And then little blades of grass peek out of the ground. But by evening, they fade and they die because of the hot, scorching sun of the day. Like grass, we live for a short period of time and then we die. Moses' point here is not that time passes quickly for God, but that time passes quickly for us. Our lives are short, and death comes to all. Moses not only makes us think about death, but he makes us think about sin and God's judgment towards sin. Look at verses 7 through 11. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. Why do we die? Moses says that we are brought to an end because of the anger of God his anger towards sin. Death is the visible expression of God's anger and wrath towards sin. We consider death as natural, but death is actually not natural. Death came into the world as a punishment for sin. Romans 5.12 says this, just as sin came into the world through one man, speaking of Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is death. So when we hear about the death of somebody, we often wonder in our heads or we ask, well, how did they die? How did he or she die? The circumstances are always different, but the reason the reason is always the same. The reason we die, the reason that death exists in our world is because of sin. Our greatest problem, all of us, our greatest problem is the fact that we are sinners. We have rebelled against God. We constantly fail to live the way that he has called us to live, that he has commanded us to live. And our sins, both open and secret, separate us from him. And you may be able to hide your sins from people, but you can't hide your sin from God. What does Moses say? Our secret sins are exposed in the light of your presence. God sees all of our sins. We deserve his just judgment. We deserve his wrath. No one deserves his mercy. And as Moses was writing this, the people of God were facing death because they provoked God's anger. Because of their unbelief and their idolatry, it led to an entire generation to die before they could enter the promised land. And Moses himself had also sinned. 
not doing exactly what the Lord had commanded, so he was not going to be able to enter the promised land. And so as Moses is praying this prayer, sin and judgment are on his mind. Because of sin, each of us have little time on this earth. Look at what Moses says in verse 10. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their, life's, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Moses lived to be 120 years old. But the normal lifespan of a person is about 70 years. I actually Googled it, which I don't even know if it's right, but whatever. It says 77 years. That's the average lifespan of a human being. And if a person is strong enough, he or she may live beyond 80 years. But even if you live to be very, very old, you will still look back at your life and say, that was short. When you're younger, older people always come up to you and say, time moves more rapidly when you're older. We know that's not true, but it's definitely the way that we feel, right? Life goes by quick. And all our lives are filled with toil and trouble. And when Moses says this, he's not saying that life cannot be good and enjoyed. God has given us many, many good gifts that are meant to be enjoyed in our lives. But what Moses is saying is that even if you live the best life ever, you will not be free from suffering and hard work. Job 14.1 says this, Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. We live, we work hard, we suffer, and then before you know it, it's over. Our days are gone, and we fly away. With all this in mind, Moses asks this question. Verse 11, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Who considers the power of your anger? The answer to the question is no one. The reality of life and death should make us fear God. The fact that people all around us die every day should make us think more about God's judgment against sin. We should fear God and we should fear him way more than we do. And that's exactly what Moses wants us to do. He wants us to look at suffering. He wants us to look at death. He wants us to look at judgment. He wants us to draw the line all the way back to sin and be reminded that suffering, judgment, and death is God's response to sin. And so for the Christian who has experienced God's mercy, this should lead us to hate sin. This should lead us to fear God. And for those of you who do not know the Lord, you should see your sin. 
and see your need for God's mercy. What Moses has said here should lead us not to treat sin lightly. But we need to pray like David in Psalm 19, which we looked at last week. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep me back from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. We should pray to God for mercy and desire to live lives in obedience to him. This section of Psalm 90 is often not read if Psalm 90 is read at a funeral because it's not considered comforting. I'm sure most of you, as I'm preaching this, I feel a little uncomfortable because you, you all look a little uncomfortable with these words. But without the acceptance that death is God's punishment for sin, there can be no gospel hope. We need to fear God before we can find comfort in the gospel. And so in response to all of this, the fact that God is eternal, that our lives are short, that God's judgment is towards sin, in verses 12 to 17, Moses prays six petitions. He prays for God's grace in six different ways. So Moses first prays to God that he would Teach us to number our days. Verse 12 is one of those verses that we all need to memorize. Look at verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. For clarification, this has nothing to do with about knowing how long you're going to live. That's not what Moses is saying but it has everything to do with understanding that every single day is a gift from God. Every single day is a gift from God. No one's gonna live their life the way that it should be lived unless they're aware that they are going to die and what their purpose in life should be. So the Westminster Catechism asks the question, what is the chief end of man? What is our purpose here on this earth? What should be our main focus in life? And the answer is super simple. It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's our purpose on this earth, to, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We have to understand that life is short. And since it's short, that means that life is precious. And a heart of wisdom is only found in seeking this eternal God who is our dwelling place. We gain a heart of wisdom when we approach life with this prayerful awareness of our weakness and our complete dependence on God. Moses was at an old age in this time of his life. He's seen many things. And in fact, the Bible said that, that he basically saw God face to face. And Moses is still saying, Lord, teach me. 
we must approach life with a prayerful awareness of our weakness and complete dependence on God. Moses is praying, help me to keep this in mind, to number my days. One of the great Scottish Presbyterian preachers, Thomas Chalmers, before he was a pastor, was a mathematician, a famous mathematician. And after he'd become a Christian, one of his friends who knew him before Christ asked him this question. What about mathematics now? Chalmers said, Oh, my friend, in my unconverted days, I forgot two things. The magnitude of eternity and the shortness of life. These are the two great mathematical factors which I now see to be important. The magnitude of eternity and the shortness of life. When you're praying, teach me to number my days, you are praying, Lord, help me realize that my life is short. And how does God teach us to number our days? Well, he does it through his word. From beginning to end, the Bible explains that one day we will die. There's a story where a man came up to Charles Spurgeon and told him that he was recently converted. And Spurgeon asked him, well, how were you converted? And the man told him, I was reading the Bible. And so Spurgeon was like, wow, great. Uh, what passage of scripture were you reading? Thinking in the back of his mind, probably Romans 10 or John 3, 16. And the man said, Genesis 5. Genesis 5 is a genealogy. It's one of those passages of scriptures where it says, this person lived however many years, they fathered so-and-so, and then they died. And then it picks up, their son lived for however many years, they fathered so-and-so, and they died. And Spurgeon asked this man, Genesis 5, what was it about this passage that moved you to become a Christian? And the man said the phrase, and he died. And I knew I was going to die, and I didn't want to die without God. The word of God teaches us to number our days, and we're also taught by the death of people all around us. When we go to funerals or memorial services, I just got off the phone of, with a gentleman last night. I'm going to be doing the funeral service for his wife on Thursday. There's going to be a lot of broken and sad people there facing the reality of death. We lose loved ones, husbands, wives, children, friends. We're reminded that life is short. All throughout the psalm, Moses is teaching the people to sing. And they're not just singing happy songs. They're singing real songs. In this, in this psalm, they're singing, God is sovereign. They're singing, life is short. Sin is wrong. Death is sure. Judgment is coming. And while it may seem to be a depressing song, at least right off the bat, it's filled with much hope. Look at verse 13. 
Moses prayed, return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. It's clear here that Moses is praying for mercy. He has just said, because of sin, God will one day say, return to dust. Right? Return to dust. So Moses, think about this, prays back to God, return, O Lord. Meaning, instead of showing your just judgment on us for our sins, would you turn from your anger and be gracious towards us? He says, have pity on your servants, your covenant people. Moses is reminding the Lord that the people are his children. They belong to God. And God has promised to take care of his own. Yes, God's wrath and judgment come come upon those who sin against him, but the Lord has answered Moses' prayer here in Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, who lived a perfect life of obedience that we could never live, who suffered and died, taking upon himself the sins of all who believe in him, bearing God's judgment and wrath. The Lord returned in a way that Moses never would have expected. God has shown pity toward his servants. This is our hope in Christ. We can pray for God's compassion no matter what we have done. Hebrews Chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Lord has shown pity on his servants. Moses then prays for joy. Look at verse 14. He says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. After a dark night of affliction, satisfy us in the morning, Lord. Why? Because life is short. Moses prays that God would pour out his love on his people so much that they would not be tempted to find satisfaction in anything else and that they would be filled with joy. Our only hope of salvation is in God and his love. True joy is only found in God. Verse 15, Moses prays, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. The people of God had seen hard times. And Moses prays that God would be gracious and make them glad for as many days and years as they had seen evil because life is short. And so he prays, Lord, make us glad. The New Testament gives us the answer to this prayer. Not only has has Christ died for our sins and risen from the grave, and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, not only have our sins have been forgiven, but because of his resurrection, because he's sitting on the throne, we are promised eternal life with God. 
Moses prays, makes us, make us glad for as many days and years as you have afflicted us. And God responds back with, hey, Moses, how about an eternity full of gladness? Paul says, for this light momentary affliction, the suffering that we face in this world is preparing us for a, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We can pray with confidence that God will make us glad. He'll make us glad for eternity. Verse 16, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Moses prays, show us your work, Lord. Show us what you're doing. We feel like we don't really know what's going on. We're in trouble. We're in exile. It's hard to see where your promises are going to be fulfilled. Let us see a glimpse of your salvation. And the children, think about the children. We want our children to see the Lord's work. Moses is probably thinking of the next generation that will enter the promised land and experience God's power. And then he prays in verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Because our lives are short, we want our work in this world for God's kingdom to matter. This is a prayer to live a significant life. We all want to live significant lives. And Moses has led the people for 40 years and he knows he's not going to be able to enter the promised land. And so he prays, Lord, let my labor not be in vain. Because unless the Lord shows his favor and establishes the work, it is in vain. This should be the prayer that we have for our church. Lord, let your favor be upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Lord, use the ministry of Calvary for your glory and establish the work of the ministry of your word, of prayer, of making disciples, of raising up this next generation, of evangelism. Lord, may your beauty and your grace be upon us. And we can be confident that that prayer will be answered because of Christ's resurrection. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. For the believer... This psalm is a psalm of comfort. Because although God is a just judge, he is also a gracious and loving God who extends his grace toward his people. He is our home. He has saved us from our sins and laid his wrath and judgment upon his son. He promises eternal life. Death is not the end for the Christian. And he also promises a significant life 
even in the short period of time that we live on this earth. But if you don't trust in God, if you don't believe, this psalm has no words of comfort for you, but is a sober warning. Because if God is not your home, then you have no home. If you haven't really thought much about death, you're not ready for it. If you're hiding your sin from everybody, your sin is known by God and you will face judgment for your sins. The shortness of our lives should be terrifying to those who do not believe in God because that means that this world is all there is for you. So if you don't know God, you need to repent of your sins and to seek God for his loving grace and mercy. To ask him to satisfy you with his steadfast love, which is seen in his son, Jesus Christ, who has gone to the cross to die for the sins of those who believe in him. Turn from your sins and believe in him and you will be saved. And the question for all of us is this, how are you living your life? How are you living your life? Often, instead of considering the eternality of God, instead of seriously considering the effects of sin and death, we live as though as we are invincible. But death reminds us that we aren't too important to die. Some of us feel as though the world revolves around us. But when we die, the world continues spinning. Death reminds us of the shortness of life and the ugliness of sin. But the gospel tells us that God loves us so much that Christ is the one who died for us. And so if Christ has taken on death for us, if he has taken our sin upon himself, if he is raised from the dead, defeating death and securing eternal life for those who believe, then how should we live? We should continue to do what Moses did and said in Psalm 90. Let us seek the Lord, who is our dwelling place, and live our lives with this eternal perspective, knowing that our lives are short and should be lived for God's glory. May God give us wisdom to trust him and to walk in his ways. The Apostle Paul must have been thinking about Psalm 90 when he was writing to the Ephesian church. In Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21, the Apostle Paul writes this. Look carefully then how you walk. not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. May we gain a heart of wisdom as we learn how to number our days. Life is short, so seek each day for God. Let's pray.